On this hot sheet, I discuss housing inventory, what Barry Sternlet is saying about the economy, and the latest on inflation today is Monday, July 24th, 2023. I am Byron Lazine, and the hot sheet starts now. Welcome back to the hot sheet. If you're in the live chat, let me know which market you're tuning in from today. I hope everybody had a great weekend. Uh, good morning from Myrtle Beach, Brandon. What's going on there? Sunny Las Vegas. What's the temperature, Ruthie, in Las Vegas? Jeremy's in Jamaica today. Good for you, Jeremy. Houston, Texas in the house as well. Uh, Fairfield CT, not too far from where I'm sitting right here in Guilford CT today. San Diego in the house. All right, thank you guys. Uh, for jumping into this stream here today. We've got a lot to cover. We've got our Monday inventory update, as we always do. And then we've got uh, a lot of topic on inflation, okay, with the FOMC happening tomorrow and Wednesday. Uh, we're going to get into that and kind of set the stage for this big week. First, let's just do uh, where we're at on inflation, okay? Weekly active listings did rise this past week by over 8,000. This is good news, okay? It will take what we can get at this point. Inventory rose from 470,458 to 479,273. That's from July 14th to July 21st. The same week last year, we had a much bigger jump. We were higher to begin with at 508,000 plus for active listing, uh, for um, inventory rather. Uh, which is active listing, same thing, to 525,000 plus. So uh, you're talking about a 17,000 addition same week last year, already at higher numbers in comparison to uh, just over 8,000 this year. But again, we'll take what we can get. Active listings for the, for the same week in 2015 were over 1.2 million. So whether it's this year or last year, dramatically off from a nor more normal market, of course. We haven't seen that in quite some time. Uh, so we're crawling forward, and you know it is what it is. New listings, holding steady, I will say. Again, it's, it's more like this is where we're at, and so we don't want to see a huge decline. We didn't see it this week, 63,000 uh, for... This past week, 81,000 in 2022 for the same week, 2021, 82,000. You see well below the pace of the last couple of years for new listings. That's been the story of the year. New listings are pacing, pacing at the lowest we've seen ever in recorded history. Uh, and here we've got this one. All of this information, by the way, I'll drop it down in the daily download today on BAMX. So if you're a BAMX member, you'll be able to grab all of this from the daily download on BAMX. Use code Jerome for 10% off in honor of Jerome Powell's FOMC meeting tomorrow and Wednesday. Uh, the big news is we're 51 or 50.1% off for active listings from the same week in 2019 right? 8.8% uh, year over year. And you can see here the difference between the red line being 2023, the difference between uh, that and call it 2015 to 2019, more normal market, where we were up over 800,000 to 
a million and over a million in many of those years. Okay, so it's more of a take what we can get type of situation with inventory. Um, you know, I don't see this turning around. So this is the story of 2023. This will be the story of the second half of 2023. Mortgage rates should stay inflated for longer. We're going to see what happens tomorrow, but it's an over 90% chance that when they come out of this FOMC meeting, they're going to be increasing by 25 basis points, the overnight federal uh, interest rate. And there's like still it's been happening for two years with this brewing consensus that the economy is going to weaken at some point. Um, so don't count on inventory going up. Like if you can expand that, Bobby, I'll read Jeremy's comment here. Uh, Jeremy from Jamaica, but also from Austin normally with the amount of people holding on uh, moving up and not selling with 7%, the inventory is so low, causing prices to stay high. Wouldn't dropping rates create more inventory and drop prices? It it would, but dropping rates would also, and then I'm not, I'm an advocate, obviously, for rates coming down, um, but it would also create, you know, a ripple effect throughout the economy. And so, Jeremy, to your point, it would create more inventory, yes, uh, but do I believe prices would go down? I call it 400, 400,000 and below. No, because there's so much pent up demand from, you know, 250,000 or 450,000 starter homes. And so even if you lower rates to 5%, I don't believe we create just by that enough inventory for the starter home buyer, the first time home buyer to actually get a lower price. You know, think about a lot of these homes and, you know, in, in the comments, you guys are experiencing this. If you're at a $350,000 or $400,000 price point with a buyer, how many offers and how much competition there is on that property. So that pent up demand isn't going to go away with more inventory, right? There's still going to be a lot of offers. There's still going to be investors. Open doors now net. I just read this morning. Open doors now net buyer all of a sudden once again. And so there's going to be enough competition in those homes to keep prices up. But the rest of the market, uh, I would imagine that you would see some more inventory. So it's not a perfect formula, but I would generally agree you should see more inventory. And, and that move up buyer especially uh, will create more, more opportunity. It would create a healthier market potentially where, where prices don't get way out of control. And that, that would be the hope anyways. All right. Uh, so. Just to recap on that, year-to-date inventory down 2.4%. Inventory uh, is up 18.2% from our bottom 14 weeks ago. So we're trending in the right direction. Inventory, uh, again, down 8.8% from the same week a year ago. It creates a lot of rentals. Um, yeah, maybe. Uh, lower rate, more people hold on and rent. Over the weekend, saw the Fed is trying to decentivize investors by taking away tax benefits. This is Burke's. Uh, for portfolios of 50-plus single-family, uh, that will bring inventory to the end buyer. Oh, this is Don from East. Don, what are you? I mean, Don, usually I can see your name. What's going on there? Uh, trying to decentivize. Let me read that again, Bobby. I want to expand it because I can't see it. Blow it up. Uh, Fed is trying to decentivize by taking away tax benefits por by portfolios. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I mean, I, I don't think that that's happened yet, but I don't know if that's going to create a, a selling spree either. Okay, um, I, I, it's been hard to get tax incentives away from holders of real estate and in, in historically. So uh, I, I'd, I'll look into that. But perspective from a young realtor, this is Jacob from uh, Des Moines. A uh, ton of first time. No, I always no, miss. I got it right. I got it. Ton of first time home buyers waiting on sidelines in my market. They don't think inventory will hold. Would hold in my market. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Jacob. I, th I think there's just so much pent up demand for the first time home buyer that it would get soaked up immediately and continue to keep prices. Now, obviously, the Fed doesn't want home prices to get out of control. They don't want that, but they're more, I'm telling you, the more concerned, we've been saying this for a long time, they're more concerned with this labor market. That's where they're, that's where they're really being cautious. Now let's get into what the Fed's going to do and, uh, and, and the economy overall. Okay. So Barry Sternlet, who I've, you know, shared his chart a number of times, uh, on, on, oh man, I just lost my Oh, all right. I'll find it. Hold on. The Barry Sternlight article on Bloomberg. Barry Sternlight, who I've shared this chart many times, he was he's he was way ahead of the of what's happening with inflation. He, he said months ago, this is back in March. He said that year over year rent growth is coming down, and we've seen now evidence in the last thirty days that rent prices have come down. He was way, way ahead of this, okay? Barry Sternlight was. So he was right on that. Now he's got some uh, some interesting takes on the economy in a Bloomberg interview, which the whole thing isn't, this is like a snippet from it. The whole thing's not going to be released until July 25th. I don't know why media companies do this. It, it's like release, or um, not tomorrow, I think 26th or 27th. Well, they recorded it in June. When you're talking about the economy and, and inflation, all these different things, 30 days is a big deal. And so you're going to release this interview 30 days later. If we do an interview at BAM, boom, it's out in like 24 hours because we want it to still be relevant. But Bloomberg's putting it out, I don't know, 30 days later when probably half of the stuff Barry Sternlight says is going to be taken out of uh, context. Okay, so uh, let me get the piece up. I don't know what happened to my iPad here. All right, here we go. Barry Sternlight sees Category 5 hurricane spurred by the federal rate hikes, okay? He's the billionaire investor that I've been talking about uh, for quite some time. They control, what's the number? $115 billion in assets under management. Um, they also gave up. They failed to refinance or pay off a $212 million mortgage on an Atlanta office tower. Uh, they came back. I don't know if in the comments, can you hear that lawnmower? It's the only thing I hear in my ears right now. What's going on? I don't think we can stop that, but in the comments, let me know if you can hear that. I'd love to know just based on uh, it's the only thing I hear in my ears. I don't know if it's just me or if it's going all the way through. Let me know if you can hear that lawnmower. Uh, Cause if you can, I'm going to have to, we pay so much for the, this damn building that uh, they will not be able to. They're saying no. You can't hear that lawnmower? All right. Well, I got to take this out because it's like it, it's reverberating in my ears. It's insane. I can't believe you guys can't hear that. It's so loud. 
All right, let me get back to Sternlight. All right, the predicament, unlike past real estate downturns, when aggressive rate rate risk taking, I'm sorry, on the property industry bled into the broader financial system. This time around, according to Sternlight, commercial real estate is collateral damage in the Federal Reserve's effort efforts to uh, calm inflation with rate hikes. Okay, so financing more expensive and harder to come by. Landlords with floating rate loans are facing the prospect of higher debt payments. While office vacancies pile up in the remote work era, demand for other property types, apartments, warehouses, hotels remains strong for now. That could change in a recession. All right. Um, lenders are reluctant to take possession of struggling assets. In one case where uh, Starwood tried to surrender an office building, that's that Atlanta example at the top of the piece, the lender instead offered to restructure the loan. You're seeing this a lot right now where it's like, I mean, Black Knight, uh, BlackRock rather walked away from from a uh, office building as well. And when some of these big dogs are doing it, a stern light, Starwood Capital, they're say, the banks are saying, no, 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 don't walk away. In this case, on this Atlanta building for Starwood, they cut the loan in half because the bank knows what's going to happen as, as well as Starwood. If I hold this asset, I'm never going to be able to sell it. And the value is getting cut in half on office building anyway. So why would I hold it as a bank when I'm not in the business of doing it? I'm not set up to, to, to operate this. I'm not set up to operate this type of business. So I'm better off right now making deals. Now, is everybody, is, is the small investor in your town going to go to the regional bank and be able to cut a deal? Uh, probably not. The, the, these are the, the big players right now that are getting these deals cut. And that's why I fear what's going to happen to some of these regional banks. And, and uh, Sternlight fears the same thing. He says you could see 400 or 500 banks that could fail, he said, and they will have to sell. It'll also be a great opportunity for those that are sitting on the sidelines waiting for this type of destruction. I mean, four to 500 banks that could fail. The Fed's not going to be able to stop that if that were to be the case. There's $1.25 trillion right now uh, that is coming due on these refinances just before the end of 2024. So in less than 18 months, I'm sorry, it's 1.4 trillion in commercial real estate debt coming due before the end of 2024. And so he believes because of what the Fed's done to overcompensate for inflation by going so quickly with rates. See, in this piece, he says that the Fed should have started increasing rates sooner. They should have never went to negative interest rates and they shouldn't have been selling mortgages as recently as last spring. Should have stopped that sooner as well. I'm sorry, buying mortgages. I'm sorry. Uh, they shouldn't have been buying mortgages into May of 2022. They should have stopped much earlier, Sternlight says. So because they waited too long on everything, uh, because we we printed that last 2.3 trillion that we probably shouldn't printed when when COVID was seemingly over. We're now in this position where we had to go full bore on jacking up the interest rate, and it happened so fast that there are still underlying impacts that Sternlight and many others believe that are going to pop up over the next year. And one of those is going to be that he, you know he says you could see 400 to 500 banks fail as these commercial real estate loans become due. Uh, he says when when 
the Fed finally stopped and went in the other direction and went so far so fast. And he was saying at that time, just wait, see what the impact of what you've done, because like the real estate uh, complex, we don't explode overnight. We explode in a series of explosions over the next year and a half as loans mature and people can't pay them off. And so that's what some believe in Sternlight believes is still coming. Um, and that's not interesting. They asked him what his relationship with Jerome Powell is. They're all pals. Um, all right, some, sometimes people are saying the best investment opportunity now is distressed real estate debt, that you can buy the debt from the banks at a discount, but do you think it's too early for that? Okay, so he was talking about this office building he was going to give back, and so they're, they're more apt to make a deal right now. Um, so you're beginning to see stuff. We're going to see this big trade-off of the Signature Bank portfolio. The, the, the government's trying to sell off these real estate assets from Signature Bank. And, and they're not having that easy of a time right now. And, and he believes the only way they're going to be able to do that is to make special financing deals, right? So to make the numbers work, they're going to have to do it at lower than market interest rates, uh, essentially, okay? Um, now, he, he, here's an interesting take. So we've talked a lot about office buildings in this work from home. They ask him, are you going to see the, uh, the change the way office buildings are really valued in the future because tenants aren't going to need as much space. And he owns, you know, office buildings across the across the country here, mostly apartments, but he, he owns office buildings everywhere. He says the work from home phenom phenomenon is a US phenomenon. If you go to England or Germany, rents are up. This isn't this is in office building real estate. Vacancy rates in the top German markets, Berlin, Frankfurt, Munich, Hamburg are less than 5%. People there are back in the office. If you go to the Middle East, they're full. They have offices in Asia. They're full. So this is a U.S. situation specifically where the culture doesn't want to go back into the office. In the U.S., you have two markets. The nice buildings will stay rented, and my guess it is uh, pr pretty good rates for those nice office buildings. And the B and C office buildings um, is not going to do as well. Okay. We'll have all these uh, little mid-block parks in New York City because there won't be anything else to do with those buildings. The other thing about office is AI. Okay, AI is going to hit a couple of these industries. Leave the comment up. I'll, I'll, I'll address it in a second. AI is going to hit a couple of these industries that have been big users of office space. So that's sort of the big question mark in the investment equation. Uh Moving to Wisconsin, this is actually frightening. I think next year being an election year might help. The government is letting uh, banking collapse during. Uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, the government. Hey, great point there. The government's going to do everything it can to avoid four to five hundred banks from collapsing. So Sternlight's painting his picture, his opinion. Uh, but I would, I would tend to agree. I think where you were going with that, that going into an election year, it's highly unlikely that the government's going to allow four to 500 banks to collapse, okay? Uh, they're going to do everything they can to stop that. Remember, we have over 500 million, I think I think it's half a billion, in, a, in an account somewhere of unused COVID money. Maybe they'll suck that out to uh, help protect the economy. I don't know if they can do that, but it is sitting there doing nothing. So one would say maybe you just 
put it back into the budget or do something there with it. All right. Um, let, let's take a look, further look at inflation. That was Sternlight. I, I like to look at what Sternlight says because he controls 125,000 uh, apartment doors across the country. You, you saw how much 200 plus billion they control in assets. And he was right about rents coming down bef way before anybody said that they were. Okay. So ju just thought it was interesting to see that Bloomberg piece. Now let's just take a look at inflation. The Fed's going to meet tomorrow and they're going to meet Wednesday. Wednesday afternoon, they're going to come out with uh, what's been priced in over 90% by the market as being another 25 basis point hike. That's going to happen on Wednesday afternoon. We're going to cover it and all of the details of the Jerome Powell speech on Thursday morning when we stream. We'll be picking apart any quotes for real estate and housing that Jerome Powell uh, you know, mentions. He he typically doesn't spend a lot of time talking about housing. The last couple meetings, he said, you know, we're in a good place with housing. Uh, we've disrupted the housing market, put it into a recession. And we'll see what he says, obviously, this week. Uh, but when Nick Tiramos from Wall Street Journal puts out a piece like he did this morning at 5.30 a.m. Eastern, which means he had the information way before 5.30 a.m. Eastern. When he puts out a piece about what the Fed is or isn't going to do, you should pay attention because Nick Teramos, if you don't know from Wall Street Journal, is the Adam Schefter of the Fed. So like if you follow NFL, you get the analogy. Adam Schefter for ESPN or Adrian Wojnarowski for the NBA, if you follow sports, these two um, sports analysts get inside information from all of the NBA owners, from all of the NFL owners in Schefter's case, and they leak this information out. If a NFL owner is trying to negotiate with a star football player, they may leak a story out to Schefter and he'll put it out there as fact per sources, unnamed sources. Uh, I've got inside information and all the time, you know, Schefter or Wojnowski, they'll be, they'll come up roses because they're getting information directly from the source, the owners of these leagues. Okay. Now, Nick Teramos is the same thing to the fed, to the FOMC. When they want to leak something out to the market so that the market reacts one way or another, it's always Nick Teramos from the Wall Street Journal, okay? And he says this morning why the Fed isn't ready to declare victory on inflation. So he's telling you, yeah, what, what the market is feeling right now, a 90% chance that they're going to raise the federal interest rate later this week, 25 basis points. That's a guarantee. You could go to Vegas and, and be 100% sure that that's going to happen. Nick Teramos just stamped it today. But he's also telling you that there might be more rakes in the future. That's what he's saying here. He, he, the, the good information that we had the last couple of weeks on inflation, he wants to tame the beast because that's what the Fed wants. And he's a mouthpiece essentially for the information that they want to get out there. There's two camps of, of economists right now. The first camp of economists is nervous that there's too little slack and too much demand in the economy to be reasonably confident that inflation will return to the Fed's 2% inflation target in the coming years. They don't share investors' recent optimism that inflation can substantially ease without a broader economic slowdown. 
Though they concede coming data could bolster hopes the Fed can achieve a so-called soft landing where it contains uh, price pressures without putting the economy into recession. Many of these economists in Camp 1 wage that growth is too strong, and without a recession, they see a tight labor market pushing up core inflation next year. So this camp wants to this this first camp of economists wants to see the labor market slow down substantially. Okay, they believe an overheated labor market is likely to show up first in wages. Many see pay gains as a good proxy of underlying inflation pressure. So they they believe any wage gains that we're experiencing now are going to pop up in 24 and we could have another spike in inflation. That's the last thing that we want to see is inflation coming down only to spike again. Officials are likely to see 3.5% annual wage growth as consistent with inflation between two and two and a half percent, assuming productivity grows to one and a one and a half percent a year. But wages and salaries rose 5% in January to March uh, from a year earlier, according to Labor Department's Employment Cost Index. That's too much for what they consider slowing future inflation down. We've also had a very strong job market where, you know, some employers could could say, okay, well, there's all these job openings out here and I might be able to go make more money. So it's a competitive environment. Maybe I'll go make more money somewhere else. And if, and if um, those opportunities are out there and wages continue to get pushed up per competition, that's that, that, and then the housing market taking off substantially, which obviously wage growth can continue to allow people to pay more for homes. So those two things are kind of in alignment. Those two things running off and getting away from the Fed is the is the worst thing that can happen to fight inflation. Okay. And so the Fed has said that, that the last tool that they really have at their disposal, but they're looking for a soft landing. So they're not looking for this, but their last tool is to break the labor market, to put people on the unemployment line. See, the Fed can impact the market enough where they get unemployment up into near double-digit categories. Uh, Burke's Cabin saw Connecticut reported 75% jobless claims are fraudulent. Maybe that, too, is playing a role. Yeah, and that there was a big story we covered here on the stream, I think, maybe two months ago. So this has been a an ongoing story about uh, fraudulent, fraudulent clam claims. Okay. Um, and, and so economists, uh, are, are that are in that camp. And then there's, there are some economists in the camp that, okay, we're seeing enough good data right now on inflation. Why don't we just wait and see, uh, right. The last couple of weeks, it's been really good on cooling inflation data and, and, uh, whether that camp wins out or not remains to be seen. Here's a look and I'll put this down below in the uh, daily download. Here's a look at total inflation by decade. Okay, this is interesting. This is a, I've got two charts on this from Fortune. The 2020s are almost, and we're only in 2023, remember, okay, are almost even with where we ended up for all of the 2010s for the entire decade. It's because this, increase in inflation was so sharp in the upward trajectory in the 2020s when compared to the 10s, the 2000s, or the 1990s, okay? The 2000s and the 1990s, though, 
Uh, you know, inflation for the whole decade was up over 30% for the 1990s and just near 30% for the 2000s, okay? For the 2020s, we're between 15 and 20%. So uh, we're probably heading in that direction overall, but we need to do it over a seven-year period. At this time, where, where we are right now in 2023, we're above all of those years, okay? Um, now, here's in comparison to what happened in the 1970s and 1980s. Nobody wants 1970s, 1980s style inflation. If we get anywhere close to those levels, uh, it's going to be a really bad news, okay? Uh, but look at where we are. This is kind of what's scary about this. Look at where we are, and this is where the Fed is concerned. We've had the highest inflation that we've ever seen in 50 years. We, we're, we're even with where we were in the 1970s, and look at where we end up in the 1970s. It's because inflation took off again after seemingly going down. It skyrocketed again. So the camp of economists that believe that there's underlying issues in the inflation, they need to be heard. Okay, we can't just, you know, I'm in I'm in the camp of pause, you know, not doing another interest rate hike. We had good information. Let's kind of wait and see where it goes uh, before we start before we start cutting. But they're gonna raise, okay. And so this this chart right here um, that shows the 1970s. Right now, today we're tied with where we were in the 1970s. You know, three years into the decade on inflation. This is what's concerning to Jerome Powell and the, uh, the 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 committee as they go into these meetings. Okay, they do not want to see a 1970s situation. Uh, here's where I, where inflation though is falling in the U.S. the most. Okay, so there are some areas where inflation is higher than others. Okay, if we take a look, and I'll put this down below in BAMX, use code Jerome to get 10% off of BAMX. I'll put this code down below. But the large uh, part of the U.S. now sees annual inflation rising at 2.5% or less. The Northeast has the lowest increases of inflation. It's interesting because the Northeast also has the lowest inventory in housing and the highest gains on housing prices, okay? So, and what else is interesting is here in Connecticut, my blueberries are probably two times as expensive as they are in Florida. So fruit, produce, these types of things, the grocery store expenses to me, where I'm shopping in Connecticut, are way more in Florida. But yet, Florida and that southern east coast is experiencing the highest inflation, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, along with the West. Okay, so the West and the Southeast have the highest levels of rising inflation, where middle America, the you know, North Midwest and Northeast are seeing the seeing inflation cool the most. Okay, Bloomberg writes the headline rate of annual inflation dipped below 2% in New England last month. That's the you know, that that's what the the Fed is looking at for the nation. The lowest for any US region in more than 2 years according to Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, data published last week. All regions saw sharp inc- uh, decrease Increases inflation last month in the West South Central area, which includes Texas, the headline annual rate fell 2.2%. Houston uh, states 
biggest city, it dropped to 1.7% from a peak above 10% last year. In the West North Central region, which includes Kansas, Nebraska, annual rates fell to 2.3%. Consumer price inflation remains stickiest in the South Atlantic areas and the mountain states with annual rates of 3.8-3.7% respectively. As we go into the next couple of days on this uh, meeting, here's just a couple of quotes uh, that I'll read from the calculated risk blog curated from Bank of America and Goldman. Bank of America says, after remaining on hold in June, we look for the Fed to raise the target range for the federal rate by the 25 basis points. The more important question is what the Fed says about the path of policy into the September and beyond. So this, what they're talking about here, what Bank of America is saying is, what's more important is what Jerome Powell says when he gets up on the podium Wednesday afternoon. That's what I'll be listening to and taking notes on when he mentions housing, what he says about it. It's all in the comments. We know the 25 basis point hike is coming. We think some of the June CPI weakness was statistical and not real. So Bank of America thinks the good news that we've had on CPI the last couple of weeks is not real. That's their quote, okay? Bank of America doesn't believe that that's real and that's, that that's going to last into the future. They look for strong activity and labor market data to mean that the Fed hikes again and uh, for the last time at its September meeting. So Bank of America says, yeah, we're going we're gonna to hike the rate this week and in September back to back. Goldman Sachs economists, a 25 basis point rate hike, it's fully priced in for uh, the meeting that starts tomorrow. The qu- uh, question is how strongly Chair Powell will nod toward the careful pace of tightening he advocated in June, which we and others have taken to imply in every other meeting approach. So Goldman Sachs, different from Bank of America, saying they don't believe they're going to um, go ahead and increase in September. We're going to be looking for cues. The market will be looking for cues tomorrow, or I'm sorry, on Wednesday during that meeting. Every time we get cues, we get changes in the 10-year treasury, which we follow closely because it means how much capital is going to be deployed and lend it out into the market. It also means, um, you know, what's that 30-year rate going to be for mortgage borrowers? Right now, the 10 years is kind of holding firm around that 3.8 range, down a little bit today. We ended the week on the 30-year fix last week at 6.98 on the daily survey. The weekly survey came in last week at 6.78, according to Freddie Mac, on the 30-year interest rates, all right? Uh, If you want to get into BAMX, get all of our daily downloads. I think I'm live streaming on Wednesday this week on online leads. I'm going to spend a bunch of time on Zillow specifically, but we're going to go into online leads, best practices, how to get them, how to add that lead opportunity. That's going to be for BAMX members only. Also in BAMX, in the in the private group, uh, we released the link for BAM Bash in August in Tom Ferry Summit. Okay. First of all, we're everybody that's BAMX member that's going to Tom Ferry Summit is going to be VIP at the BAM Bash. Okay. Doesn't mean you can't go if you're not in BAMX, but basically we're not going to pay for your drinks if you're not BAMX. Okay. So that's how that goes. Um, and not everybody's going to get in. Last year we had over 700 people that tried to get in only 350 person capacity. So, uh, BAMX members are guaranteed to get in. Not everybody else is not guaranteed to get in. So you can get 10% off BAMX by just going code Jerome down below. You can also get your lowest price to the Tom Ferry summit. If you're a real estate agent, it's the super bowl of real estate events. I go every single year. 
I've, I've gone for probably eight years in a row. You get the lowest price off of the ticket to the event uh, with the link below for Tom Ferry Summit. Use code PRBAMSS, P-R-B-A-M-S-S to get $100 off your Tom Ferry Summit ticket. And then make sure you sign up to come and uh, hang out with us, Bam Bash, the first night of the conference. Uh, Lenny will be there. Can't wait to see you at Bam Bash. Hope, you've, hope you're a Bam X. Uh, Lenny, if you're a Bam X member, let me know. He is. Are you are? Um, so I'll, I'll see you at Bam Bash, obviously. Also, we're going to announce, I think, today or tomorrow. Uh, either today or tomorrow. I don't know which one. What? Soon. September Soon. event? Yeah. It has to be today. So we're going to announce it to Bam X members first. We have a September event, um, a BAM event, which is going to get sold out probably in minutes down in Naples, Florida. Okay, so BAMX members get first crack at that. They also get a major discount to that ticket. Um, I can't announce the speakers yet, I don't think, so we haven't announced it to BAMX members. But make sure you just get into BAMX now so you get those opportunities first. Use code Jerome to get 10% off of BAMX. A lot coming this week, so make sure you subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss it. We'll be back here tomorrow live at 9.30 a.m. Eastern, 6.30 Pacific time, as we always are. Until then, have a great Monday, work hard, and toodaloo.